Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, coming to you live from River Road Studio in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is going to be brought to you by a bunch of people, but we're going to talk about it in a little different way, not a bunch of ads. So, Sue, you're a really busy person. What do you do when you're not recording Real Herbalism Radio? Well, uh, thank you for asking, Patrick. Mm-hmm. First of all, I do volunteer work at Occupy Medical, and we have two clinics a week, and they're both free, and they're integrated health clinics, so it's two f- free herbal clinics uh, with doctors and nurses and herbalists, and that's at occupy-medical.com if anyone wants to find out about it. And I also am an herbal consultant, and I like to focus on chronic illnesses and people that already have medication to help them with that because that's kind of my MO. Great. So how can people help you support um, Occupy Medical? Uh, You can go to our website, and we are a 501c3 organization. And uh, if you go onto our website, you'll see some of the protocols and stuff that we do as far as herbs are concerned. Also, we use uh, many of the formulas that you find on the Practical Herbalist site. So thepracticalherbalist.com. And uh, you can just send in a donation and we will give you a tax fund for that. Oh, so it's a 503C. Yeah, 501C3. Yep. Sure. Cool. And then the other uh, thing you do is the consulting and that Mm -hmm. was an email for that or contact you for that. Um, That's Sierra Lupe Herbal Consulting at gmail.com. Yes. I was going to say org. I'm like, no, that's the other one. Yeah. (laughs) Sierra Lupe. Sierra Lupe Herbal Consulting at gmail.com. All right. Well, Candace, so when you're not recording and making herbal tinctures and doing all the herby stuff and, and battling a teenager, what, <laughs> what what do you do outside of the practical herbalist? I, mean, I, I work with clients as an herbalist mm-hmm. through Get Healthy Now. And I do work with families that are looking to get healthy but don't want to do like herbalism. They're interested in things uh, more nutritional, foods and that sort of thing. And I use a company called Juice Plus. So I'm a rep for that. And then I am also involved with Hunter Creation. Um, I do a lot of the business, running of the business and bookkeeping and that sort of thing. And I'm beginning to work more and more with doing some of the website and print design work. With okay. Hunter Creation. All right. And you can find me at what? No, no. When I was doing my pen thing there, it was like, yeah. now you ask me what I do oh, when I'm not oh. out. I was, <laughs> I was Well, I was waiting to okay. say, and this is how you get a hold of me. Patrick, what <laughs> do you do during your week? Wait, 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 wait. How do we get a hold of Candace? How do we get a hold of Candace? I get a hold of her like this. I reach uh, out and I grab her arm. You can find me at gethealthynowwithcandace.com. Okay. Okay. So when I'm so, not recording. Yeah, yes. I was going to say the other half, my better half at Hunter Creation, Aww. who really knows the business, is Patrick. So let's hear about that. So when I'm not recording, what I do is uh, graphic design and website design. So I can help people and companies um, get their marketing materials and uh, pan or not patterns, um, their marketing materials together in a cohesive whole from their branding, from their logo to their website, to their printed materials. So everything looks like it should be coming from one source. A lot of times companies make the mistake. They'll go to one vendor for one thing and another vendor for another thing, but then they never integrate across. So you sometimes see a mixed message. You don't want that. So I try to make sure that that's cohesive. Then the other thing I do with my 
troubling teenager <laughs> is uh, another business called Ace High Heat Graphics in that we make um, custom uh, apparel for uh, companies and you know, and businesses. We're more B2B than we are person to person. B2B so, means business to business. Well, if you're in, if you're, if you're in <laughs> it, you would know that's B2B and that's what we do. Uh, we help companies uh, and organizations get their name and they're fundraising out. Uh, T-shirts are a great, great way to do that. Uh, that's our most common product. We've also um, have brought in hats. So we can do caps now. So. Nice. And so, aprons. Yes, and, and aprons. aprons. And, and, oh, tote bags, tote, and tote which bags. are actually really quite convenient when you're mushrooming. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Right. There Custom you go. tote bag for mushrooming. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yep. So that's what I do when I'm not doing this. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say is that the one thing that does help us keep um, – the lights on, the doors open, and us doing this above and beyond everything else that we do is the Herbal Nerd Society. That's right. Yes. And, you know, in the last week, I think we had 10 new members. Oh, oh yay. Nice. Well, so, thank you, new members. Right. So uh, I think that's awesome. And it's always humbling when people are ready to put down their cash and say, hey, we like what you're doing. So if you want to become a member of the Urban Nerd Society and get access to all the old podcasts, special articles that Candace and Sue write, uh, special interviews that only the Urban Nerd Society members get, like the one with Chilton last week about mm-hmm. mushrooms, mushrooms and cancer, cancer yeah. and myths. Yeah. That was a really good one. Yeah. Um, I think that's why we got a bunch of – uh, members because that was a good that one. That was a good yeah. um, Then just go to the practicalherbals.com and then there's a menu item at the top that says um, join and click there. And then for five bucks a month or 50 for the year, you can become a member of the Herbal Society and get all that stuff plus an ad free environment. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I do have a question for you. Mm-hmm. If, if someone's interested in the Herbal Nerd Society, but they're not quite ready to join, how do they get on the mailing list for the Practical Herbalist so they can at least keep up with and see what's happening? Well, right now there's a pop-up. Well, there's two ways. There's a pop-up that will appear on the website if you visit the website. And after about six, seven seconds, a pop-up will appear. Now, if you've decided that you didn't like that pop-up and you X'd it out, at the bottom of every page is a sign-up form. Nice. So nice. you can decide. So, yeah. It's a great way to get your – if you're not sure about the Herbal Nerd Society, it's right. a great way to just get an idea of what's going on. And you'll start to see some of the articles that are also coming out like mm-hmm. the, for the Herbal Nerds. So, right. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. You'll see what you'll see the new articles there. You'll also see or get a note on the newest podcast that's being published. Um, it's a great way to stay in contact with us without necessarily being a member of the Herbal Nerd Society. Yep. And then when you're ready and you say, oh, my God, there has been an awful lot of really cool stuff going to them, you'll be ready. You'll know. Welcome to show 179. It's our herb lab, and we're talking about ayahuasca and the tropical plants and medicine that most of us should never, ever, ever take. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely if you don't like throwing out. Right, definitely. So uh, we had um, Nick Bleasy last week, and uh, he did the uh, Sacred Science book. And uh, I thought that was um, a really great uh, podcast uh, about ayahuasca and um, respecting it and the cultural implications of it. And I think we can go into some other... Uh, information. I think Candace and Sue will be doing that just shortly. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Radio. So Sue, did you spend the last week enjoying some psychedelics? 
My world is so weird already. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, don't need any extra so help much. making it weirder. Yeah, no, no. no I mean, I've definitely taken psychedelics in my past. Right. Uh, I tried LSD. I tried cannabis. I tried magic mushrooms. I took, oh, uh, there's a name for it. I've taken a couple of different things. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. It was mm-hmm. cool. You were much younger. I was much younger and different uh, time. a different mm-hmm. time. And man, there, I came out of a really tough space when I went into college. Right. And I think um, it was helpful to me to have different ways of looking at the world. Yeah. Because having, I came from a very, very conservative Christian family. It was rigidly ruled. Yeah. And rife with lots of abuse and rules that were mostly made to keep um, the powers that be in their space. Right. And for someone like you, who is very much, a, you know, you're, you're free spirit, you bounce around from mm-hmm. one thing to another in a beautiful butterfly-like fashion. Oh, you go on. I've got to believe that must have been like torture it to was. be trapped in that. Yeah, I was, I was painfully shy. I rarely spoke. Um, in a play in uh, my senior year of high school, I was, I played a character that was supposed to scream and I had to be taught how to scream. Wow. So I didn't, I literally didn't have a voice that yeah. could call out for help. Right. Right. So you were probably very much in need of some of those psychedelic plants to help you break some serious patterning. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was hardcore. I was yeah. a mess. Not saying I'm not still a mess, mm-hmm. but I'm a different type of mess. Back then I was a hot mess. mess. Now I'm a lukewarm mess. So. You're a much better mess. A <laughs> oh, wiser mess. A wiser mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it taught me compassion to those that um, not only have suffered abuse, but uh, have had to learn things. And I think one of the really great things that that the psychedelic plants taught me was to get rid of that cultural arrogance mm-hmm. that was a big part of my growing up yeah, and to not assume that because I am, I'm convinced of it, that it's right. Right. Cause there were nice. a lot of things that I nice. was definitely convinced. You were about. absolutely positive. Absolutely positive. And, and I had confirmation suddenly. bias from that little tiny yeah. little world that I was in, that it was absolutely correct. And I don't do that anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So it's helped me be a much more evidence-based person. And that's weird to think that psychedelic world would turn me into more of an evidence-based person. It seems like it'd be the opposite, but nope, that was, that was the place that, that my wee little brain decided to go down and it's a comfortable spot. And also it means that I have to change my mind about stuff Mm -hmm. when I get um, evidence to the contrary, or at least at least examine it enough to say, okay, well, hmm. perhaps there, perhaps I don't know all there is to know, and perhaps I might <laughs> yeah. actually be wrong. Well, I mean, it offered you a different perspective. It offered you the opportunity to step out of your usual self and mm-hmm. move into a different viewpoint. Yep. And once you've done that a couple of times, you realize that viewpoint, whether no matter how you get there, you don't need psychedelics to see a different viewpoint. Mm-hmm. But once you've had the opportunity to practice that, you realize the world is much, much bigger. Yes. And thank goodness, life-saving. I I really don't know where I would be today if I hadn't changed the view that I have on, that I had at that time. 
at 18 years old. Right. I mean, that was that depression, anxiety, um, terror. Um, yeah. My view of myself was uh, mm-hmm. desolate. Right. Just right. desolate. So it's it, being able to not only just physically be away from that, mm-hmm. uh, but also to have a different view that came from within, not just from without. I think yeah. that's that's helped me be much, much happier. Sometimes that's what you need is a, a helper to help you break the crust of crud that's covering mm-hmm. up that deep within positive view of yourself. Because we all have yeah. that deep within positive view. It's it's inborn. You betcha. But, you know, <laughs> sometimes situations start piling the crap on pretty much immediately. Yeah. Sure and had it, help getting into that bad space. <laughs> yeah. So help getting out. Yeah. It's more than welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did did you have experience? To be honest, I had not taken anything that was consciousness altering until I was 18 when I got drunk once for the first time mm-hmm. off of beer. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. beer and fuzzy navels. Fuzzy navels. Yeah. It took me a long time to be able to look another fuzzy navel in the eye <laughs> after that. <laughs> but, you know, What's I... In that? And, um, what was in that peach schnapps? Slow gin and, and slow gin, and I can't remember. I, I wasn't mixing that. them. Right, somebody else was mixing for me. Sounds very sweet. I was smart enough at the time. I was with a individual, a boyfriend of mine, and he he knew how uncomfortable I was with the idea of something being in control of my consciousness besides me. So. Mm-hmm. You know, trusted space. Yeah, we made safe space, and I knew I would be safe, and and had that first opportunity. And you know, honestly, the people around me were had already tried many other things. I wasn't. I was really slow to be even willing to try other things. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because when I was very young, I had an experience that later in life a shaman called an initiation experience. Hmm. And the loop was never closed. So I had a experience that was like having a psychedelic experience without any psychedelics involved. Mm-hmm. But it was just it, it caused my consciousness to make a radical shift. And I was quite young and our culture had nothing in it. I didn't have a shaman in my life or anybody to help me close the loop. And I was much too young to understand that there was a loop to close. Mm-hmm. And so I had a 30-year initiation experience. So my consciousness would shift into this other place. And people didn't, I couldn't explain it. And now when I talk to people that have been using cannabis, that have been smoking it, mm-hmm. um, they know exactly what I'm talking about because that's the place my mind was able to shift into at that young age immediately. And it was terrifying to me because I had... Nobody understood what I was talking about. They didn't believe me. They said it was all in my head. It was eventually pathologized. And then I was put on medicine. Mm -hmm. And it would just happen spontaneously. And I didn't Mm -hmm. understand. And then once I finally reached an age where I understood what it was, the shaman helped me close the loop. We finished the initiation experience. I don't need to smoke cannabis. I can go there at will. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard. Because for me, it's like breathing. Do you have a hard time remembering how to breathe? No. Once in a while when I'm stressed out, yeah. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> Once in a while when I'm stressed out, it's hard to get that perspective. But otherwise, that's just a natural state of being for mm-hmm. me because I lived with it for so long. And so 
But through all of that, I was uncomfortable with putting anything else in control because as it was, my mind would shift into that spontaneously without my me choosing until the end of the initiation. Mm-hmm. I could I could some I could put myself in it if I wanted to as I got older, but through my teen years and my early twenties, it would sometimes just happen. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, this is really not helpful. You right. know. And it usually would happen at rather inconvenient moments. Like I'm in the middle of an interview for a job and suddenly oh. there I am. And I have to make sense and not sound like I'm high because mm-hmm. I'm not technically and I would pass a drug test, but boy, I feel like I'm high right now. Mm-hmm. It was really uncomfortable. So I didn't take any of those types of mind altering substances because I didn't want to lose control. Right. And I didn't want to end up in a permanent problem area because mm-hmm. I didn't know. I didn't understand. So once I finally reached an age where I closed that loop and understood what it was, now I can go in and out of that. I don't need cannabis. And I actually found cannabis, if anything, kind of annoying because it's limiting. Mm-hmm. There's so much more to that space when you get there without using a, a tool to get All yourself right. there. Um, but I haven't, I've wanted to try magic mushrooms at points, but I keep getting the clear answer that no, that's not my medicine. Mm-hmm. And as much as I don't like that answer, sometimes I respect that answer because I know that if I go there when I'm getting that answer, probably going to end up hurting myself. Mm-hmm. So that would be stupid. That's yeah. not helpful. Why would I do that? Right. You know? I know a lot of people use magic mushrooms to kind of help themselves spiritually. Mm-hmm. I have never done that. I've only done it to have fun. Right. And it is, it, it, yeah, I don't know. What did I but say? it like did four or five help times? you. It, I, but it, it was actually fun. was, it was a spiritual experience for you. That was part of your healing path in those sure. earlier years. Yeah. So even though you didn't intend that you were going to use it spiritually, mm-hmm. they were like, oh, guess what, honey? We're changing that spirit of yours. Mm. We're going to change some shit, which <laughs> they did. And for the better. Mm-hmm. So it did end up being a spiritual thing, even though you didn't intend it that way. Well, I, all I know mm-hmm. is uh, I do not like the notion, just as you were kind of noting that, um, there is a panacea out there. It's not. Yeah, there isn't. There really isn't. Yeah. So that I really appreciated that Nick was talking, uh, talked about that, that yeah. now there's this trend where everybody's a lot of a lot, everybody it, that many people are saying, well, now we need to go take an, take ayahuasca and, and yeah. we should all blah, blah, blah. And we should all blah. blah. It's yeah. for everyone. And that's, that's just not, not true. No, it's you not know, true. That, that dishonors the idea that there is, um, human diversity. Yeah. It dishonors the idea that they're that people are in different stages of their life and need different kinds of things. And one of my pet peeves that because we live in Eugene, Oregon, we see this a lot about cannabis that um it's good for everything. It's good for everything and that it's the magic pill. Right. That all you need is this one thing and then it'll solve all of your problems and then you and you don't have to work at it. Right. And that's one of the most infuriating things. You don't mm-hmm. have to work at it. Right. It'll just magically, I mean, why don't you just take a Vicodin, <laughs> you know, or, or sure. any of those others? I mean, yep. that's what pharmaceutical companies have been kind of selling us on. And the reality is 
you may need the Vicodin, but you still need to do your therapy and you do your work. Well, that's capitalistic <laughs> culture in general. Yeah. Is they try to sell, you know, drink Coca-Cola and it will you'll join part of the singing, you know, good looking generation and yeah. you'll dance in the streets and bloody, bloody, blah. Yeah, exactly. You know? And Santa that, will love you. Yeah, Santa will love you. <laughs> yeah. And we just that constant push of all you need is this one thing. Right. And for the low, low price of blah, blah, you know, you, this snake oil is going to help you. Right. Lucky you. Yeah. Good thing I, good thing I got it. And you got a credit card. We're just right. going to work this right out. So Then you don't have to worry about it. You know, your so life is fixed. Right. Yeah, no, life is far more complex, mm-hmm. intricate, layered, and beautiful than that. Yep. And you got to do work. Once in a while, you'll find someone where that actually is their experience. That's what their experience should be. And it is actually exactly right for them. At that time. Once in a blue moon. But there, there are, <laughs> but there are most, so many things that I have done that not. at the time it worked great. Yeah. And then when I kept using it past that, it wasn't. Yeah. It just, yeah, it stood in the way of my development rather than helped. Yes. yes. With, and I understand the idea. Like when I first became a vegetarian, oh, yeah. I was so excited about it. It was yeah. wonderful. And it really yeah. did make my life better. Yeah. And I was the most annoying vegetarian that you could ever <laughs> run into. I was trying to tell everybody else, well, you know, animals are suffering. And, and that's true. And this has helped me. And that's true. Right. And so you should too. Yeah. And I, I'm still a vegetarian, you yeah. know, I'm not 18 anymore, but right. I am actually have a much better diet now that I'm a 55-year-old right. vegetarian and it's worked great for me mm-hmm. and it isn't for every person. Right. Yeah. So that kind of, let's, let's find the magic pill. Yeah. Like one size fits all. Right. Fooey. Yeah. That is not true. It was part of my <laughs> path and it was fabulous yes. and I, and I keep doing it and it's led me to other things that are also Yes. Fabulous. Yes. So, yeah, there's there's lots of things that you can do and should do to make yourself a better person and to be a better community member. Mm-hmm. But to pretend that all you need is, I don't know, whatever the new thing is, ayahuasca. ayahuasca. Just take this thing and then all your troubles are over. Take this That's thing, a lie. Take ayahuasca and suddenly you'll know what to do with your life. Yep. You don't you have already, to study. You, you don't already have know to, what to do with your You don't have life. to help other people. Yeah. yeah. In Nick's book, when I was reading it, the thing that I kept coming to is a lot of people are just like, well, I guess maybe I should just like be a better person. Right. You know, maybe I should connect with people. Maybe I should. Yeah. And if if you need to go deep in order to learn that, which many of us do, because it's not a natural part of our culture, we are Mm -hmm. we are taught to be lonesome cowboys. Right. Yeah, we are. We are. We have a culture of disconnection. Yep. We even sure though do. we even though we claim that we're connecting through things like social media, it's not actual true connection. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it, and it's and connection is more than just talking to someone over tea. It's it's a it's a multi layer yeah. piece. Yeah, you know, it's it's being there when when people are struggling. It's staying away when people need their space. It's yeah. Um, it's a communication that is deeper than just a, a tweet, but a tweet mm-hmm. can be part of that communication. Right. Yes. Social media can be part of a connection, but sure. it isn't a connection. Right. It's not the only thing. And you have to be careful. Sometimes it actually is damaging the connection, even though you think you're getting more connected. Mm-hmm. You're actually doing harm to your connection because you start to have these beliefs. 
Yep. Based on social media. Letter writing. Which there is not a, accurate. I was raised that you always wrote letters of gratitude or you yes. always, whatever. Yeah. And so I was always you know, very tidy about that. Mm-hmm. And then um, one of Dave's friends was part of this letter writing campaign back and forth and turned the letter writing into her getting on our family for not belonging to her um, church. And that, yeah, that's not okay. It turned into condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. So her letters would come in the mail and I just shudder like, (laughs) (laughs) oh, great. Now what, what new evil? Did you ever mark them return to sender? No, they, they weren't for me really, Uh, really, you know, they were just, they were just little pieces of vile. I'm sorry. I I was, that's that's icky. But it it taught me. But it does, yeah. Because I chose to learn something from it. Yes. The first thing I learned was to be really bitter and angry. That's what I learned. (laughs) Then you got your liver moving. And and then I went, you know what? It I I choose not to go through that. There's there's more to my life than this person who doesn't even live in my town. Right. More than they know and yeah. And more than they are a- able or ready or willing to see. Yes. So. And those those horrible bits were more about the the crap that was going through their, that person's head, right. not about what was actually in my life. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, that was that's another piece that, you know, I, I feel like I've had to learn from many different channels is mm-hmm. identify what your your responsibility is and move through it and don't take on other people's bad stuff when they're not asking for help. Yeah. And even if they are asking for help, you can't take it, their stuff personally. Otherwise you destroy yourself. Mm-hmm. That's not helping them. Yep. Um, therapist I know talked about recently, not too recently, well, recently enough. Anyway, she talked about how you have your friend, your friend's in a hole. You can put a ladder down to help your friend. That's mm-hmm. a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Or you can climb down into the hole and be in the hole with your friend. That's mm-hmm. less helpful because then both of you don't see the ladder. Right. Because once you get down in the hole yourself, you can't see the ladder. Mm-hmm. And then now both of you are in the hole. So you've just done damage to yourself. And then your friend has the guilt of feeling that they also brought you down into the hole. And it just starts to make it worse and worse. Mm-hmm. So you help others and that's important, but you can't take it personally. You can't take their, you can't carry their baggage. They have to deal with their baggage. They have to jettison their baggage Mm -hmm. as they're ready in their way. You can't carry it for them. Mm -hmm. And learning, yeah, learning to give yourself that little piece of bit of distance and recognize so that you're not taking it personally when other people are behaving in ways that are less than optimum. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's helpful. Yeah. Well, Patrick. Yeah. What's what's your take on this? Yes. I, your ample psychedelic use? Yeah, I <laughs> so much. Um, I don't. No. And I haven't. And I haven't really wanted to. Because I don't mm-hmm. want to lose control. I don't guess I don't need to do that. Even um, when I've taken marijuana, it's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. It's just too far out for me. I don't know. It's weird. I don't mind getting alcohol. I don't mind having intoxication mm-hmm. with alcohol, but. Anything else that's that's beyond, but I think you know the, when we talk about specifically ayahuasca, mm-hmm. I mean that's uh, I mean culturally that's they're like their plant, their grandmother plant. That's that's the high. 
this medicine that almost no one should ever take. Mm-hmm. Right. People that are in the region that live in that region where it, that plant is grown, they rarely use that plant. Right. So, and yeah. even like Nick was saying that only the shamans would typically take it to find yeah. a possible uh, helpful herb. Mm-hmm. Time, yeah, they take it so they can have the into your now. illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and but they were, you know, trained and, mm-hmm. and respected and this whole thing. And then I just feel like, you know, you got these Americans coming down and we're going to take yep. ayahuasca, you yep. know, and they have no respect for it. No, right. no cultural yeah. responsibility to it. They just, mm-hmm. you know, or they do it here when they go on their, their, essentially they go on their trip to find an answer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like, you really needed that to find the answer. And right. Uh, really? Just because it's available now, you can go do that. You should mm-hmm. go do that. Right. And I yeah. just, I just, I don't know. I just really have a hard time with it because, you know, that's just exploitation. It's like, oh, this is a possible solution. You read about it, hear about it. Now it's a thing. Everyone's got to do it. Mm-hmm. I think my you biggest know? concern with it is that I just don't want to see what happened to tobacco and cannabis happen yeah. to ayahuasca as well. I want it to continue to be a sacred medicine. There may be people here in America, in my own town, who could really use that medicine. Perhaps. I don't know, but there could be. And if they've got a good shaman who knows what they're doing, then it, it could be good medicine because the shaman who knows what they're doing is going to say no to those who really aren't ready. That's part of how that spirit medicine works. The shaman knows. They will know when they're talking to you, when they're working with you. Ayahuasca will tell them with clarity. Mm-hmm. And then they will say, no, you're not right. You're not ready. You have to go to do this other work first. Yeah. The thing, though, with that is, is the way we are, well, oh, you're not going to give that to me? Oh, this somewhere. other person will for $250 uh, that's a where my yeah. That's where my concern is, is right. that that's what will happen. Because that's pretty much, I mean, cannabis and tobacco have both become moved into that space because, you know, they started off as sacred and then they weren't. Yeah. They were less and less and less and more and more recreational. And now, you know, they're abused. Mm-hmm. Well, peyote had the same thing. Right. Same thing, I, yes. Was peyote. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, this is the same thing that happened with peyote. Yeah. The Carlos Castaneda uh, book yeah. series came out and then all of a sudden everyone was running around trying to dig things out of the ground to get in their mouth. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I and it's got to be a deeper thing for humanity or humans to – to try to tap into some sub or higher thing that, that they're because they're bound to the physical world that that's their only door into something else. I think one of the problems that we have as a whole humans globally is that we've, we've been evolving for, you know, thousands of years and we have spiritual practices that have evolved with us for thousands of years. And we've reached a point where, we need something new that is rooted in the old, but it's we need evolution. We need a, a radical evolution. We, because of internet, because of globalization, because of many things, have moved quickly, but our spirits haven't been able to integrate all of the changes. Yeah, that we we're making. digest stuff. Yeah, so I think we're we're longing for a new spiritual practice that may not be completely new. It might be that the old practices need to change, but the change hasn't fully happened yet. So we're aching. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's several generations of we are aching. We as a global community are aching for something to change, but we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like we all are in the chrysalis trying to form into butterflies or into as a species and we're not there yet. Yep. It reminds me of this movie that there's people that love this movie and it wasn't a movie for me. So (laughs) it's it's okay if we have a diversity of opinions. That's my preface. It was called Eat, Pray, Love Something. Eat, Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. Oh, okay. Eat, Pray, pray, Love. love, And um, I watched it with a couple of friends. One of the friends adored the movie and I was horrified by it (laughs) because here was this selfish brat Mm -hmm. who was just freaking rude to everybody Mm -hmm. and so self-absorbed that she she had to travel across the world see completely different cultures this huge journey in order to learn that maybe you should just be nice to other people all right what if you take your (laughs) amazing wealth and instead of just feeding yourself more new shoes and new boyfriends and new whatever. What if you just help another person? Right. Wow. What a shallow lesson and how, how important that should be as part of your childhood. Just and how other people, how frustrating that that they cast a really wealthy person that way, because what does that say about rich people? It kind of puts it in our heads that rich people are these shallow people with no actual like clue that they should be nice to others. And that's not necessarily but accurate. But it, it was like an uh, autobiography. <laughs> right. So it was yeah. a person. It was an actual real person. Who went through this thing. Yeah. Wow. And, and I thought, well, that's that's your, that's the same thing as this yeah. trend of the ayahuasca people running around and saying, okay, well, my mm-hmm. life is, I have everything I need physically, but. I hate my life. And what can you do? Can you just like stick something in my mouth or maybe I'll just travel or maybe I'll find the answers. Yeah. Yeah. A quick fix solution. A quick fix solution. (laughs) There's gotta be a panacea for this. And like, stop being a jerk. The five, you know, I don't know how (laughs) hard can that be? You know, it it even hits home to us because, you know, we have, you know, a member of our household that wants to have the quick fix. Mm-hmm. What know. you think I want the quit? No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> yes, this is this is actually one. No, of but it, we do. <laughs> but, it, but it comes home to roost. I mean, yeah. for us, we you know, not that we are those people, mm-hmm. right? But right. but you know, well, and isn't that something that we often do ache for, especially when we're young? We kind of want the quick fix. We want it to be easy mm-hmm. because when we're really little children, everything is easy. And then the pain of adolescence and growing into adulthood is realizing it no longer is easy until you outgrow realizing that. And then eventually you find that actually it really is easy, mm-hmm. but it's a whole different way of looking at it. I mean, yep. and that a lot of times it takes us a couple of decades or more to get to that point where you do actually realize, oh yeah, no, actually it's all really easy, mm-hmm. but you have to go through that you know, desert as it were that, you know, hot desert or. Well, you get in a rut. You know, yeah. You have to go through that experience of mm-hmm. what it's like to ache for it. Sure. You know. I, I'm, I've gotten into lots of ruts before and mm-hmm. there have been things that were huge slaps in the face for me that really, you know, taking on Occupy Medical as a clinic. 
oh, was, wow. <laughs> was a huge enlightenment yeah. for me. Yeah. You know, there were people that were suffering in ways that I didn't think possible. And they were, they were a few blocks away from me. Yeah. And I now I see homeless people all the all the time. It's like that They're other movie yeah. where I see dead people. Yeah, whatever right. that's called. I see homeless. I, I see, see homeless, homeless people all the time. I see. I see. Yeah. Them, or I see a, a, mm-hmm. a that there's a sign that there's a homeless person that is sleeping under that dumpster. No one else would see it, right? But because but I've been knows. working with that population for eight years, yeah, you know, I'm clued into it. Yeah, I, I mean, I was everywhere. driving. I was driving along the highway just. This morning, I think it was, or maybe it was yesterday morning. And there was, you know, a spot where homeless people have been and there's smoke coming up. So I'm like, oh, they've built a fire. I hope that will be safe because they've got a tarp, right? you know, against a wall, against a, a, I think it's a cement wall. So, you know, but I'm like, gosh, I hope that's going to be safe for them. Right. And I was thinking as I was driving by, I'm like, I wonder how many of these other drivers even noticed that. Right. Yeah. You know. Oh, we were, we were coming home. The other day from somewhere mm-hmm. and I said the Whole Foods. Uh-huh. And on the back side of Whole Foods is a boulevard, you know, with the yeah. grass. Four homeless tents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right there, juxtaposed against the, the Whole, Whole Foods. Foods yeah. This it's interesting. God, price food. Just wow. People wow. here's four yeah. people hungry living on the edge. Whole Foods. Yeah, I just yeah. Pay just, five bucks for an orange. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was yeah. It's just a juxtaposition of yeah. Uh, you know, where's our values at? And yep. But you can be trained to not see that, and we mm-hmm. are trained to not see it. We yeah. even make laws so that people, uh, it's against the law for poor people to be a pedestrian on the our streets. Like if they're mm-hmm. holding up a sign saying, "Please help me." That's that will be illegal and is illegal in some cities. That's mm-hmm. what we do to train ourselves to be blind. Right. So yeah, I think our we as a as a humanity, we're aching for an awakening. Yep. We're aching that for the has a cost. Yeah, we're aching and and I don't think that our current spiritual institutions are capable of fully handling that. Right. So we have a lot of people who are looking for things like ayahuasca and cannabis and they're trying they're trying to find it, but they don't know how. So they're trying shooting in the dark, as it were, mm-hmm. hoping maybe they'll somehow manage to find it. And yeah. So I don't know. I mean, and then there's the folks that just want to have fun. Yeah. Well, and, but that that's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having fun. I, I love having fun. Fun is fun. Yeah. But there's a self-centered, self-perpetuating cycle that you get into mm-hmm. that, you know, we see the detritus in the National Enquirer, people yeah. that have money and nothing stops them until, you know, they end mm-hmm. up dead somewhere. Or they're horribly, horribly bored with their their life. Yeah. You know, but there there is a spiritual cost to that mm-hmm. kind of lifestyle and there is yeah. the the compassion for for your fellow folks mm-hmm. and just a, a a notion of being um, respectful and delicate and mm-hmm. holding a place for not only yourself but the people around you. Yeah, that it doesn't it doesn't come in a pill. It comes with life experience, and it's. We'll focus on it takes a lot kindness. of work yeah. and you have to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's never ending. Yep. It's just a way of living. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, God bless him. God bless him. I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. glad that 
we got to have that conversation with Nick. Yeah, that was a really a good conversation. And I really enjoyed reading The Sacred Science. So it yeah. was, I like his approach and I like the way that he is very respectful of the plants and of the healers. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know I personally have a long way to go before I can call myself a mature adult. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, you just keep on trying. You keep on trying. Yeah. Well, I I have had a lot of things I've had to change about my own life mm-hmm. this year. And sometimes I've learned from the people I serve. And sometimes I learn from friends like yeah. like you too. Sometimes I learn from, I know you think I don't learn anything from you, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just the comments people have yeah. um, on our, from our podcast or from the website. And Well, speaking of comments, uh, Candice, you had a bunch of uh, comments that popped up um, in different ways for you this week about ayahuasca. Yeah, I did. Actually, I had a friend of mine was telling, told me a little bit, she thanked me for having Nick on the show because he talked about the red flags around ayahuasca and ayahuasca tourism. Um, Someone she knew and cares deeply for had a very bad experience, which, you know, it was bad, but maybe will result in better in future. And then um, I also got uh, Amy. Yeah. On Instagram, Amy Newman, um, her name, her Instagram tab is whole life with Amy. She had commented also about it. She she showed had the show put up the put up comments about the show and people replied back and wanted to hear it. And she really loved the fact that we talked about the red flags again, the red mm-hmm. flags and the things to look for. She said that um, she knows some folks in the, like the Lyme disease community and folks who have compromised immune systems, and that they found it really the travel just even the travel to get to the place where they were going to do the ayahuasca was depleting and hard on their systems right um i do know that if it's done properly there's a whole fasting thing that you do before you go which mm-hmm. is also depleting and hard on your system right so if your health is compromised that that's going to be a challenge and then ayahuasca itself is also very draining mm-hmm. you know it it so she was saying that, you know, she's never really known anybody who's had a really good experience. There've been a lot, not necessarily positive experiences with it. So yeah. it's, it, I don't know of any person who is uh, working in the healing community and has a respectful uh, way of approaching things like shamans that we were talking yeah. about that have the one size fits all approach. Right. Yeah. You know, so why would we expect <laughs> that popularizing something and and yeah. using it as a panacea would ever ever work that way. True. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, I think that for the most part, a a, a proper shaman, first of all, is going to be calling his or herself that. But either way, when you say I want to do this, they're going to say no, and they're going to put you off and push you back on it mm-hmm. until they're sure you're ready. Right. And you know, you, you don't go and buy it like a tour <laughs> you know right. i mean it, it really isn't that's yeah. not that's unwise yeah the novelty i think yeah. makes people think irresponsibly they get excited about it you know here it is christmas mm-hmm. morning yeah well and i think people who people who do it and and 
they may very also well be they're, they're thirsting for something. Sure, they're, they recognize that they have suffering or emptiness mm-hmm. in their life, and they want to do something about it. But the wonderful thing about living in this world with the internet and all of the ways of travel and yeah. and the communication is that we have lots of lots of options available to us. So the most yes. popular one may not be the one that is the option for us in the world that we live in. Yes. You know, my I couldn't I couldn't take advantage of that particular ayahuasca experience. Oh, that's mm-hmm. that's just not not part of the world that I live in. And yet I do learn things from hearing about others that had a positive experience, yeah. which is why I watch videos or read mm-hmm. books or well, have conversations. Why, that's why we wanted to talk with Nick because the sacred science does talk a lot about, you know, what the experience is. And he has had a very some total positive, although I don't know that he would say the vomiting portion was fun. I don't know no. that he'd call that part positive, but you know. but, the, but not puking it out might be yeah. um, not so that wonderful either. Worse. So, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> well, I think watching the whole video or how I saw a movie that yeah. that the that sacred science, science yeah seeing each of those individuals responses to everything that they were doing in the jungle yeah because um, some people came out of it really well and other people didn't right yeah, and, yeah. Um, but yeah I think you had some other people more than one person didn't you well I had a couple I had a couple mm-hmm. people approach Maybe. me and you know honestly listeners if you've got ayahuasca stories you want to tell I I would be I'm thinking about we we could do a show there sure. where we could share some of those stories. Yeah, let us you know, know what you want to be called, identified mm-hmm. as in that. Um, or, if you share the story, or if you don't, we'll just we'll just person one or whatever. Yeah, we'll just come up with a name to protect mm-hmm. everybody. You know, yep. who wants to. Yeah, yeah. So that's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, yeah, you I could uh, tell the story. Um, if I could put another form for an email on that, or yeah, I think know, that would we, be good. We could do, um, you know, with a connect, connect direct uh, yeah. with us. I think I think it would be good. Put a form up so there will be a form on the show notes. Mm-hmm. And then you guys can send in your stories, send in your comments, send in your experiences, and we'll read them on the show. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. That's part of what makes us practical herbalists is we yeah. have a practical approach. Tell us about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, with that... Put it in our Statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any of affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute or advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliate websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. All Always consult a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamin supplements diet or exercise program before taking any medication.